Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masech Megillah, daf Chav, page 20. First of all, we'll be releasing some CM information, which, God willing, will take place in about two weeks. Um, and you don't think that we just had another CM? There's a gun. I know, it's others? a little bit crazy. Well, this one, actually, we end in the middle of the week, so we did push it to the following Sunday. So I think it's five weeks this time. Uh, but we've already secured ourselves, hopefully, a great speaker, um, and uh, are looking forward to hearing uh, from the rest of you as well. Um, oh, so there are two Mishnayos here, and Ann and I are going to split it up. Um, mine is really very short. In Karina Tamikila, Velo Manlin, Velo Tovlin, Velo Mazin, Vechain Shomerit Yom Keneged Yom, Lotibol Ad Shetene Tachama. So the Mishnah here sort of takes a detour. We're no longer talking about specific halachot with the Megillah itself, but instead we're talking about a category of mitzvot that need to be performed during the day. And what it teaches us, what are those mitzvot? It's reading the Megillah, uh, the mitzvah of uh, Brit Milah, uh, one of immersing yourself when you need to go to the mikvah to take, you know, into the ritual bath, or sprinkle yourself for water for, uh, sprinkle yourself with the water purification, right? Um, in order to purify people or objects uh, that had, you know, that had some type of ritual impurity. Um, and also a woman who observes a, a clean day for each day. So here we're talking about a woman who has uh, one or two days of non-menstrual bleeding, right? It's not the normal time of her cycle for her to bleed, um, but she has some type of bleeding. And so basically if she bleeds for one day, then she needs to wait a day uh, that's passed without any, um, without any discharge of, of blood until she's allowed to immerse herself again. If it's two days, she waits two days. All of these things cannot be done. Like the, 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 the going to the mikvah, the, the mila, megillah, whatever it is, right? Until the sun has risen. In other words, that's how, what we're going to define day as. And then finally, the mission concludes. However, if any of these things were done at daybreak, right? Remember, so this go back to Gemara Brachos, Right, Amuda Shachar is that first ray of light that you see. Neitzacham is when the sun is actually uh, risen, right? So there's a period of time in between. And with obviously Amuda Shachar being earlier, uh, even if you do it after Amuda Shachar, it's still good enough to be considered day, and, and that activity is still considered to be kosher. So the Gemara, first of all, starts with the following question Minalan, from where do we know the Salacha specifically about Megillah? And they're going to go through every single item here in the uh, Mishnah. Um, and so they want to know, where do we know this from Megillah? To Amar Krab, because the Pasuk says, Right? So here we have a Pasuk in Megillah Esther, chapter 9, verse 28, that these days, right, that Vahayamim should be remembered and kept. So, okay, it's very clear from this that it says Hayamim these days. So obviously it has to be read during the day. But now the Gemara says, maybe this is a Tiyuvta, maybe this is a refutation of the statement of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who said to Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, A person is obligated to read the Megillah at night and to sort of study it during the day, right? And this pasuk, this statement, this proof that we brought seemed to say, no, you really just have to read it during the day. So what the Gemara basically concludes is, is no, this Mishnah is really just teaching about the daytime reading. It's not commenting on the nighttime reading at all. 
Now, what's interesting is, is that, you know, the Gemara sort of just leaves it at that. It doesn't really talk about anything to have to do with the Megillah at night. And in fact, in the next Mishnah, which, Anne, you're going to read in a minute, which talks about, uh, you know, things that we do during the day and things that we do during the night. But Megillah is like not even mentioned in there as a list of one of those things. So I do find it interesting that no proof is brought at all about the concept of how do we know you have to read Megillah at night? They only deal with the day. And again, it is based on this Mishnah. The Mishnah, they conclude, is only talking about the day. But I wonder if it was also like, again, because this is a rabbinic holiday, maybe it wasn't always so clear that you read it both during the night and the day. And I just found it interesting that, you know, it's the daytime one that gets the focus and with the proof. And we don't see anything about the nighttime at all here in the Gemara. I do think that's interesting. Um, I'll tell you also, these Mishnayot, yours, the one that you've just read and the one I'm about to read, kind of end up being um, companion Mishnayot, which I suppose we could say about a lot of Mishnayot, but in this case, it really seems to be um, that they they have to work hand in hand because it ends up being, let me let me read a little bit and then this will become a little bit more clear. Now, what this is, is a list of the the a number of different mitzvot that can take place during the day and and we're told that the whole day <coughs> excuse me that the whole day is kosher for doing these mitzvot now you're dana who just had a mishnah that talks about the day right so and the mitzvot that are done in the day so the commentaries say you know what's the difference why is the why are these separate mishnayot meaning what's the difference between this mishnah the rule of this mishnah and the rule of the mishnah that you just read and the nicest um, solution that I saw, I think, is that these mitzvot are, have to be read on a specific day, meaning Megillah has to be read on Purim, whichever day it is of Purim that you read, right? Or Hallel or Shofar, Lulav, etc. Each one of these has a prescribed calendar date so that the question is not just that they are the mitzvot of the daytime, but that they are of that particular day. And then the question is, well, when in that day must you read or do or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, the mission says, no, call Hayom Kasher, again, for reading the Megillah, for reading Hallel or reciting Hallel, um, for for blowing shofar, taking the Lulav and the prayers that are offered on the, on the holidays, as well as the Korbanot that were offered on the holidays. Now the Gemara, not Gemara, sorry. The mission then goes on to say other things that are, um, that the whole day is is valid for. haparim, the confession of the bulls that was brought by the Sanhedrin or by the Kohen Gadol, if they had to atone for any mistakes of the previous year, or they rather, I think they did it anyway, meaning I think they brought it to atone for any mistakes that they may have made over the previous year. ma'aser, the recitation of um, declaration, I guess, over tithes, ma'aser, and the confessional of the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur. So all of these things, like they, they strike me, maybe less so Vidui Maser, but like certainly the Vidui of Yom Kippur, we spent an entire Masechah talking about the order of the day of Yom Kippur. And it would seem that there's a particular time that this confession is supposed to take place. And the answer might well be, yes, there's an order of the day and that's when it's supposed to take place. But in terms of the, the viability of that confession, it could take place any time of the whole day. And then the, the mission here goes on. Other things that are valid throughout the whole day. Lismicha, lishchita, litznufa, lagasha, lakmitza, lahaktara, lamlika, 
Kabbalah Hazaya. All of these are actions that are taking place with regard to Karbanot, specifically placing the hands on the head of an offering or slaughtering an offering or wavering those offerings that have waving, green offerings in particular, or bringing in meal offerings or scooping out the fistful of flour from the grain offering, uh, or burning that fistful of flour, and then um, snapping the, this is the most vivid one, I guess, snapping the necks of the young birds that are offered, um, there's a couple of bird offerings, right, for receiving the blood in the vessel, for sprinkling the blood on the Mizbeach, and on the Parochet, so, and we spent a good amount of time also talking about the Kabbalah and the Hazayah, the the receiving the blood and the sprinkling of the blood. We are familiar with most of these um, aspects of the Karbanot, and I don't think we gave any discussion, or if we did, I don't recall it, to the fact that, in fact, each one of them is kosher to be done with a day's Karban um, any time throughout that day. <laughs> it's not specific to the morning. The other thing I want to say, Yardin, a, a good number of your your the mitzvot that you spoke about, I might have thought that you're supposed to do them the first thing in the morning. And so then, which I, I don't know if I get, have the same sense here, right? I don't think anybody says, like, as much as we like to say, those who are eager will get up and, and do the mitzvot right away. I don't think we say, you know, blow the shofar, meaning all hundred kolot or whatever, first thing in the morning. Like, we assume it will take place over the course of the day. Um, the mission continues. It's a long one. Sota, the waters that are given to the Sota woman, the woman who's suspected um, or accused of um, having been um, secluded, that's what I'm looking for, with a man who's not her husband, meaning a married woman with a man who's not her husband, uh, breaking the neck of the, the cow, the, or the calf rather, that was part of the procedure if they found a dead body outside of the town and nobody knows who it is and nobody wants to claim responsibility. There's, this is the Egla Arufa. And then Tarat and Mitzorah, all of the steps of the purification of the person who has Tzarat. So all of those can be done, they need to be done during the day on specific days, at least many of them are connected to specific days. And um, and you could do them throughout the entire day, the entirety of the day. Presumably, as I said, it was a companion Mishnah, according to the times as determined by the Mishnah that your that your Dana that you read. And then now we come to the night time, as you mentioned. Meaning now we're gonna find out which are the the mitzvot that could be done at night, and they can be done all night. And this should for anybody who's been with us since the beginning of Brachot, this should kind of ring a bell because we talked then about Kriyat Shema, reciting Kriyat Shema, um, you know, at what time in the night, in the evening, do you first say Kriyat Shema, and how late can you really go? And really, technically, you could go until the morning, but it's not recommended. So here, Kol Halayla Kasher, what is it for? Specifically, reaping the Omer, the barley um, offering that's brought the second, the, well, it's the night after the first day of Pesach, which is the second night of Pesach. If you burn the fats, when you burn the fats, of the karbanot um, on the altar into the night. Zehaklal, and now we've got a nice principle. Zehaklal, davar shemitzvatoba yom, kasher kolayom. Davar shemitzvatoba laila, kasher kolalayla. Meaning things have their time. And if they are supposed to be done in the morning, not the morning, if they're supposed to be done in the daytime, then according to this principle in this Mishnah, they can be done anytime in the daytime as long as it is in fact day. And likewise, anything that the mitzvah of them is in the night, you could do them in the nighttime. And you're right, Yerdana, there is no mention in the Megillah on the list of things that could be done in the night. But I would assume 
from this principle that once you're going to read the Megillah at night, because we do, then presumably you could read it all night. And it doesn't have to be just, you know, like right after the night begins, which is what we normally do, especially for those who are not in Yerushalayim, who are very often going into, into Purim with a fast. So, I mean, coming from a fast, so you want to read the Megillah, um, have your mitzvah tayom, and move on with your Purim. But I, I think that it's um, it's exactly your point, right? That it's not listed here, and we have to just infer the the applicability. Yeah, and it just doesn't make sense. Like, you would expect it to be here, and it's not there. So it, it does seem a little bit strange. It's a little bit strange, especially because Megillah is there in the daytime, right? So I don't know. You're in, is this before it was instituted at night? I don't think that's the case. Meaning... We'll have to yeah, check the Gemara back, but... seems to be like, no, the Mishnah's just talking about daytime reading. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. Maybe one of our co-learners does. Look, I, I'm sure it wasn't always, it, it, again, unless there's something that's going to pop up in the Gemara later, the fact that there's no proof text brought to show why you have to read it at night is just striking to me. Because yeah. here they spent an inordinate amount of time trying to bring proof text from the text itself of many of the customs around Purim, specifically because it's sort of has a sort of rabbinic, but biblical, you know, uh, sort of, you know, orientation as well. It's sort of a combination of both. And this is one of those things I think we don't ever question, right? You read the Megillah, you start the day with reading the Megillah. Like that's, that's what we do. Yeah. But um, I would almost argue the way Purim is practiced today. I think that night reading is actually, much more festive or emphasized than the daytime reading. Like how many people, you know, everyone goes to shul for the nighttime reading, but the daytime reading, eh, you know, some of your neighbors reading, this one's reading, you read it quickly to yourself. Like it has much more of that. So that's also what's striking to me about the Kamara. I think that's completely accurate. Like I agree with that a hundred percent that, that in our experiences, not that the daytime isn't important. It might even be halakhically more important. It's hard to say, but I guess it is because that's what we're seeing here. But the thing is that the festive one, the like, ooh, now it's Purim, that's the one that takes place at night for sure. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.